Raiders of, of the, the Lost, Lost Arts, Arts mini-sode. This is a special treat for everyone. We I, haven't yeah. done this yet. I mean, yeah, not really. Yeah. Um, it's a little exclusive. We're doing a little dip into something new. Day of um, the Oscars. Yeah. This will be released on that morning. Yeah. Um, so happy Sunday, besties. Happy Sunday. Sunday fun day. <laughs> Um, also the sunday scaries they're very real not for me because like <clears throat> i don't do anything during the week all my work i do on like the weekends yeah no i had to you know get ready for you have like a regular work week yeah i have to mentally prepare and then like the the new class week that starts for like schooling it's it's we're not gonna get into that we're gonna yeah, yeah, talk yeah. about positive things anyway so this episode is really just me going through all the best picture nominees and talking about them a little bit yeah because at this point, so there's, I think we just said, what, eight nominees? Eight nominations for Best Picture. And I have watched seven of them, which is more than I have any other year. I'm The one that I'm missing, I'm going to have watched before the actual ceremony. I couldn't fit it in before this episode. I apologize. Let's see if I can watch all of them before Sunday. It's next, well, next Sunday at the time that we're recording this. It's not this Sunday. It's next <gasps> Sunday. Oh, thank goodness. So yeah. I do have time. So you have like two weeks. <clears throat> I have plenty of time. I mean, it's hard because a lot of them, well, not a lot of them, like two of them are not streaming. Well, I mean, Promising Young Woman wasn't, but we saw that already. So yeah. you don't have to worry about that one. True. But um, so, yeah, I'm just going to go through all of them, talk about them a bit. Um, and then at the end, I will. I was going to say, are we going to do predictions? I'm going to try yeah. and predict. I'm going to say what I think will win and what I want to win, maybe. Okay. Um, in a few categories, okay. not just best picture. Okay. I'm going to probably give maybe, again, I haven't seen majority of them, mm-hmm. but based off of, you know, what I've heard, what I like can kind of grasp from these films, I'm going to try to guess like a, a top three that would be picked. I mean, maybe. you can definitely guess based off also the rest of the awards ceremonies that they've already Yeah. Done. Like, I think they had the screenwriters, the Guild Awards. Mm-hmm, they did. Um, the BAFTA. Yeah. Okay. All those. So the first movie, and this is the one that I haven't watched, Ooh. is The Father. Yes. Starring um, Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman, I believe. Um, Anthony, yeah, he is in it, and Olivia as well. They're both in those. That's the daughter, Olivia. Yes. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins. I'm trying to is... see if I, I don't recognize anyone else on this cast. Yeah, I think they're like the main two. Okay. It's about their relationship. Yeah. So, um, if um, little, I was about to say little sponsorship. I wish it was a sponsorship. It's not. Um, we're using Letterbox to kind of give a little synopsis. Yeah, the little synopsis. Just because I'm not good at summing up. Movies, yeah. So. Shout out at Letterbox. So if any of the besties at home don't have it yet, download. Shout it. out to the virgins <laughs> of Letterbox. Anyway, <laughs> there's some exclusions to those rules. Anyway, um, so the father, the synopsis it has written is a man refuses all assistance from his daughter as he ages. As he tries to make sense of his changing circumstances, he begins to doubt his loved ones, his own mind, and even the fabric of his reality. Yeah. So That's it's essentially intriguing. about a man. I think he has dementia and his daughter is trying to help him out. But he. oh, my goodness, it's Queen of Fleabag. Yeah, Olivia Coleman. Yeah. And also I, the queen on uh the crown. Yeah. Um and the queen in fucking the favorite. Man, look at her. I love Olivia. Yeah. Coleman. So yeah, I haven't seen this one. I'm going to watch it. Uh I've heard like pretty good things. It's like 
people are like, yeah, it's good. Yeah, one of my um, weird for like a best picture. I guess one of my film mutuals gave it four and a half stars. Okay, I I think I saw someone re- uh, watch it today and give it like three and a half, which is like all right. And it has an overall four point two stars on Letterbox. That's pretty good. I mean, average. I'll update y'all when I actually watch it. I don't have much to say about it. Yeah, point, so. same. Um, so moving on, we have Judas and the Black <clears throat> Messiah. So we'll get a little synopsis on that one. Yes, as I'm pulling this one up. Uh-huh. Um, so this one is also like I feel like the most recent of the films that was like made. Well, I don't know. It was released. I, they're all released somewhat recently. I yeah. think maybe a few of them not. Oh, so this is the story of Fred Hampton, deputy chairman of the National uh, Black Panther Party, who was assassinated in 1969 by a Cook County tactical unit on the orders of the FBI and Chicago um, PD. Um, yeah, that's the synopsis. Yeah, and it stars Daniel Kaluuya. Yes. And Lakeith Stanfield. And a few other really cool people. So... But they're like the mean too. I was gonna say some get out stars right here. Yeah. Uh, they're they have really great on screen chemistry. I like I think they're Look, gonna Keith be is also in um sorry, Uncut Gems. Mm-hmm. He's in uh, um Sorry to Bother You, which mm-hmm. is a really good one. He's in Knives Out. Knives Out, yeah, I was about to say Knives <laughs> Out. I always forget that he's in it because he's like such a, a strange role in it, I guess. Who does he play? He plays, he plays the, one of the detectives. Oh, they're detectives, yeah. Um but yeah, they're they're like I think they're gonna become like a, a famous duo similar to like the De Niro um, Pacino, Pesci, yeah. kind of a thing. They got the chemistry. It's they there. Do. Um, I really liked this one. Um, it's. I mean, they're all kind of sad this year. I feel like, but I, maybe that's the case every year. I feel like they're t- they're also what's really cool about this year is a few of the films that I've that I see on this list. Again, I haven't watched most of them, but what I can tell from them are um kind of tackling social issues and historical yeah accurate social issues which is really interesting yeah this one i think is uh definitely culturally relevant and actually pays respect to the source material and isn't like as revisionist as some of the other ones on this list that i'll talk about yes um but yeah i so i didn't know that much about fred hampton going into this um i didn't really know his story i mean i knew he was a member of the black panthers and so I mean, I knew what they were about. Uh, what city was it in again? Um, Chicago. Chicago. Yes. That's probably why I didn't know as much about it, because I think I knew more about the East Coast uh, presence of the Black Panthers. But the story was so well told, and again, like with a g- tremendous deal of respect and specificity. I mean, the performances were also just incredible. I think you know, Kaluuya and Stanfields are just revelations. Like, they are the movie, essentially. And I enjoyed them tremendously in it. Such a, a great story. I mean, sad story, obviously, but brilliantly told. I enjoyed it more. And why, I think, sorry, I think it's so um, spot on with, like, the material. Um, the director is a director of color. So mm-hmm. it's not like a white person trying to sell this story. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think it tells it accurately and in a way that isn't so boxy, you know? Mm. Um, I don't really know what else to say about it. I think a lot of people have enjoyed it. Yeah, all my 
people on here have given it four and a half stars, like literally every single person on here, and it has a four point one overall. Yeah, it's 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 pretty excellent, I would say. Looks um, it. Next on this list is Mank. Mm-hmm. Directed this by is, Mr. David Fincher. It is a David Fincher movie. Um, this is actually on Netflix, so it's on my list. It is on Netflix. It's, what, two and a half hours long or something? Probably. It's super long. It's 133 minutes, so it's a little bit over two hours. Yeah. Yeah, it's like two hours 15, I think. Um, which is, I had to take it in doses, which is never a good sign. Ooh. Um, if I have to split up watching a movie, not and not just because I'm like tired, but like I watched it during the day, and I was like, "All right." Do you know what I did? I've done that with like very few movies in my life, and the one that's sticking out to me, you're about to laugh, that Netflix film with um, what's her name from Stranger Things? Millie Bobby Brown. No, I wish. Winona Ryder. I wish. Uh, it's one of those. Who plays pr- Nancy? I don't I don't know. I don't watch Stranger Things. I just know she's it. It's one of those cringy like Netflix teen films. And I literally I think it took me I kid you not I a good too. like five to six hours to to watch. It wasn't that long of a film, but I kept putting it down because it was so exhausting. Um I haven't a damn clue what you're one you're talking about, but it's she's like it's definitely like the trope where she's like in love with him and he doesn't notice her and Oh, Whatever is a loser. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Something. Oh, who plays Barb? Barb. Okay. Yes. Shannon Purser, I think her name is. Yes, I love her. Oh yeah, I could see having to break up watching that. That was ex- any like. Type I think of- I did that with like the first Kissing Booth movie, and then I didn't finish it. Oh too. My, yeah, those it. movies are exhausting <laughs> in every sense of it's the so word. Bad. So yeah. Anyway, back to anyway, bank. B- back to cinema. <laughs> um. So it's so funny because everyone was like, oh, I miss David Fincher. I wish he would make a movie. And we're all expecting him to come back with, like, you know, another crime kind of thriller no. movie. And he comes back with, like, a almost like a biopic about the screenwriter behind Citizen Kane. Yeah. And it's like, okay. And it has Lily Collins in it and Amanda Seyfried. Um, Gary Oldman's Gary in it, Oldman's too. Gary Oldman's the lead. Oh, my God. Lily Collins is in it. I love her. I, I was so surprised. So I was like, Emily, you're not in Paris. <laughs> Emily is not in Paris no more. Um, this is a very much like an Oscar bait kind of a movie, which is fine, I suppose. Um, that makes sense. I'm sure some people really enjoyed it. Maybe here's the thing: I haven't seen Citizen Kane. I know that as like a as a screenwriter, I haven't seen it either. I, I maybe that's bad. I know it's bad I'll on my part. I'll watch it at some point, but like no one. We'll is watch it together. To my head. No. We'll watch. No one's holding a gun to my head telling me to watch this in Kane, so I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to rewatch, I don't know, Pride and Prejudice. Princess Bride. <laughs> not Princess Bride. Um, Princess Diaries. Princess Diaries. Either one. Either one. All of them are fine. But Princess Diaries came to mind first. Um, But you did like it. You gave it four stars on I did, because it was good. Because listen, at the my end of the day. My other mutuals did too. At the end of the day, it's David Fincher. He knows what the fuck to do with a movie. Yeah. And As an the- overall of a 3.4, though. Which is yeah. on the lower scale, for sure. I think it's be- also because we know it's David Fincher, so we expect so much more. So when it's boring and, like, the dramatic stakes only really... Like, they really... The first hour and a half, I, like, was bored and I didn't know what was going on. Mm. I only understood what was going on within, like, the last 45 minutes. Where I finally, like, understood. It was just, like, all over the place. And I get that it was... 
kind of trying to mimic the way that Citizen Kane was structured and the way that one flowed. But, like, I don't know. I'm about to give some David Fincher hot takes, actually. Go for it. I am not a fan of the social network. <gasps> no comment. I am also not a fan of. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna get so much. My hate prod for, is at the cleaners. I'm gonna get so much hate for this. All the film bros are literally gonna wring my neck. I am not the biggest fan of Fight Club. Oh well, yeah. I'm not the biggest fan of Fight Club either. Like I watched it once. And it's okay if I I will never see it again. And I'd be yeah, completely no, okay with that. I think the thing is, I would enjoy it more if so many people didn't misunderstand it. You know, like it's criticizing masculinity in that but, way. Yes, but they and don't. Yet so many people see it as like, no, that's what you're supposed to be. And it's like, no, 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 no yeah. But yeah, just because it's so misconstrued. Same thing with Joker to an extent. Yeah. Um, where like people misunderstand it and then it's like I can't enjoy this because you people are off the rails about it. Yeah. Um any I mean the performances were pretty good. Gary Oldman always delivers even though he's kind of um not a great person. Um yeah. the direction was great. Like the way it was shot was interesting and it like it had that It's in old, black and white, right? It had no, I mean it had that old movie feel. To it where like there were like fade outs and stuff like that where it felt like a movie made from like the 50s or I like the 60s. That. I mean I do but also I'm like it's 2020. Make it in color. <laughs> no, I know. No I love. <laughs> I like a good black and white movie. I'm very nostalgic for. I wish Bong Joon-ho was able to release uh, Parasite in black and white like he wanted to. That would have been phenomenal. There's a version of it that you can watch where it's in the black and white. I would love to watch it like that. Um, he should have just like did that as like a DVD extra, like I think he did. Cut. Um, I'm gonna look into that. I'm, I'm sure Mank it. will win something. Uh, just probably not. Best Definitely picture. not best picture. Um, I can see it winning. <laughs> Me, I'm like. Uh... I really don't. Maybe know. supporting. No. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe something weird. Like costuming or something. I was gonna say costuming, but I wasn't too sure because, like, to me, it's not like the most elaborate costuming. No, but doesn't have Amanda Seyfried's wig is really nice. Yeah, <laughs> wig wig snatched. Did you just say wig? <laughs> no, this is just between us. It's not your language, wig. I feel that already. <laughs> <laughs> that was us in class when that, we first met. That, yeah, did you just say wig. <laughs> I'm like, wait, are you giving me queer energy? <laughs> um. Anyway, when I first saw you, I knew I could like you're someone I could come out to. I think we had this conversation. It's possible. Mm. Yeah. That makes me feel nice. Maybe it should. Anyways, um, which one did we want to talk about next? Minari. Minari, which, which is on my like, I want to see this one the most out of the ones I haven't seen. I watched it today. Of course you did. Yes. Um. Well, I, I mean, I started it last night. I was too tired to finish it. So I finished it this morning. So that's not like a... I it's was a two-hour film. Yeah, it's two hours, and some of it's in subtitles, so you have to pay attention. So mm. I was like, okay, I'm falling okay. asleep because it was late. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, all right, I'll finish this in the morning, um, which is good because I was crying when I finished it. This is a... Uh, yeah, this is not... tears at your emotions a little bit. So this one's a little bit of a longer synopsis in terms of the ones I've been reading. So it says, in the 1980s, 
Um, it's the 1980s, and David, mm-hmm. a seven-year-old Korean-American boy, is faced with new surroundings and a different way of life when his father, Jacob, moves their family from the West Coast to rural Arkansas. His mother, Monica, is aghast that they live in a mobile home in the middle of nowhere, and naughty little David and his sister are bored and aimless. When his equally mischievous grandmother arrives from Korea to live with them, her unfamiliar ways arouse David's curiosity. Meanwhile, Jacob, hell-bent on creating a farm on untapped soil, throws their finances, his marriage, and the stability of the family into jeopardy. Yeah, Sounds like a lot. It is a lot. It was like... Not a bad way, in a good way. No, yeah. yeah. And I, it was perfectly balanced. It like, seems like... And everything, you know, tied into each other. It's not like there were so many different plot lines going on. Like, it was all, like, the one... It's all led by the family. Yeah. You have Jacob and his farm, and you have... um, What's his... What's the... What's David? Yeah, David. Yes. You know, learning about things from his his grandmother and their relationship that evolves, um, which I think is just the most beautiful like relationship I've seen in a while on film. You know, David, mm-hmm. he's he's like, you're not a real grandma. You don't bake. You don't, you know, you, you curse and stuff like mm, that. And okay. so, you know, she has to learn how to be his grandma but he has to also learn to like accept her yeah as she is as like this fun old lady it's also i feel like the the um the the backdrop of cultural assimilation well yeah so like that's the whole thing like they're one of the only few koreans who live where they live in yeah so like at the job where they're that they have uh jacob and monica where they like they do like the sexing of baby chicks um that's like where the only other koreans really yeah. live in their area um and they have to drive like five hours into the city to get to like a korean market mm. um and so a lot of the friends that the kids make are white and like are passively racist like they don't know any better yeah they just know what they've learned from their their parents and like there's this guy who comes to work on the farm with jacob i forget what his name is um and he's like super catholic and like kind of weird but also, he's just like a genuine friend, and he genuinely cares about the family. It's very, it's very interesting and moving, and it rips your heart out at the end. Oh my god! Um, As good film does. Yeah, but like, it just builds and builds, and like it's very quiet and serene, yet it says a lot at the same time, mm-hmm. which is like it's just it's very beautiful. It reminds me in a way of Moonlight, I guess, in that way. Okay. Um, oh, that's that's exciting. Um, I don't know. It's just a really good one. I'm sure we'll still be talking about it in a year. Oh, yeah. Whereas some of these other ones, we won't be. Um, but, yeah, really great. A lot. All the performances are great. The little boy who plays David, whose name I'm blanking on right now, is so good. He's so cute. He has these little cowboy boots that he wears in the entire movie. And, oh, my God. And the actress who plays the grandma. Alan Kim plays David. Yes. And then the one who plays the grandma is really great. And then, of course, Steven Young's. Steven Young. Love that man. Dilf. Yeah. He, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. On to the next one. Yes. Which is Nomadland. Yes. Um, I'd say this is my, maybe this is my favorite one so far. I don't know. I like a lot of them this year. But I think this is the one that just stood out maybe the most to me. 
that I had the most personal connection to. I don't okay. know. Maybe the more I think about it, it might they might shift around. But um, so are you pulling up the uh, synopsis? Yeah, sorry. I was looking at the trailer really quick because I'm like, I want to know if I saw because like there was a a similar movie that came out like around this time I think with a similar name or something and I was confusing them. Anyways, that's all right. Um, so the synopsis for this is a woman in her 60s embarks on a journey through the western United States after losing everything in the Great Recession, living as a van dwelling modern day nomad. Um, yeah, it mm -hmm. has overall like an average rating of four stars on Letterboxd, and it actually has like a mix of like ratings by my my like followers and friends. I have some four and a half, some fours, some threes three and a half it's kind of all over the place interesting yeah i mean i i really liked it it's like definitely just a story about the human condition and stuff like that you know it's focused on this the uh, main character of fern and her journey into this life this nomadic life and how she can deal with that and still have these connections and you know there's a lot of questions and positing about life and you know what makes a life lived and stuff like that and it's just i don't know very touching and very intimate and mm. it's a it's a real story that seems like someone who is a real person whereas like they're not like a caricature like it's just very deeply human um so it's like kind of slice of life but also not at all like you very much get the idea that this is a woman who's lived a full life like you see her whole story within just her doing this for a few months or whatever yeah um also the actress Frances uh, mcdormand yeah Frances mcdormand she's in a lot of great stuff she's, she's in great. three billboards she's in fargo mm -hmm. moonrise kingdom transformers isles of dogs <laughs> she did not just bring up i'm sorry <laughs> i really liked her in three billboards outside ebbing missouri i am my i really like her my boyfriend loves that movie and i've yet to see it and he's like it's, you need to watch it it's good i had certain opinions about it before i watched it and then i was like no no this is good um i don't know she's really great in it but there's also all these other people in it who are like actual real life nomads um who are in it who are just so good and it's just like it's almost like this is a bad comparison but like nathan for you where you're like i don't know if this person's acting or if this is just them genuinely having a conversation with Frances McDormand acting. Mm. Um, and I really liked that that line that you didn't know what exactly like was real and not. I mean, obviously parts of it were fake and you could tell who was an actor and who wasn't. But yeah. other times I was like, I think this is just Frances McDormand talking to people. Um I just I really liked it. It made me cry several times. Um, I don't know, maybe some people would be bored by it, and maybe that's the reason for the low ratings, um, but I really connected to it, so I didn't find it boring at all. I'm glad. I don't, yeah, I'm kind of, like, through the synopsis and, like, through, like, just looking through it, I don't know if, personally, I will be, like, super head over heels over this film, but yeah. it's always worth a shot. Yeah. You never um, know until you try it. Hulu? Yes. So. Hulu. Okay. So the next one is one we can both talk about because we're talking about Promising Young Woman, Ugh. which you've actually seen. Yes. Not only have I seen it, I love this film. 
Okay, so give us a synopsis first. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna do the letterbox one. Okay. It's short and simple. It says a young woman haunted by a tragedy in her past takes revenge on the predatory men unlucky enough to cross her path, which I think is such a great synopsis. Um, in the sense where it's it's baseline and it doesn't give too much away, because I think this is one of those movies. I went in knowing everything about it. I still loved it, but I think it would have been a great mm -hmm. experience if I knew nothing about it. I think it's one of those films where if you went in. Mm, maybe for you. I think for, for women, uh, yeah, they I was should say, know going in. I was going to say, for some people, for sure, they're definitely the, the trigger warning of the content area is sensitive. Yeah. And, I mean, the ending is very shocking. In a, yes. a way that's divisive. And we can get into this now. Yes, I I think yeah. I think because I stand somewhere in the middle. Okay. I know a lot of the people I follow stand either they really like it or some of them absolutely hate it. Okay. And hate that it's getting all this acclaim. Okay. I understand both sides, and mm -hmm. that's not me being like I'm the moral center of the universe. It's just like no, I'm I'm smart, I guess, or yes. like I I I'm. I can understand both sides. You're perceptive. So, you can see it from different vantage points. Yeah, it's just like, okay, so uh, the way this was marketed was kind of as like a, a revenge film. I don't like, like how they marketed it. Yeah, I don't. And But it part of the movie also kind of frames it as that way too, where it's like she's this avenging angel who's getting back at all these people who helped this guy who raped her her best friend and got away with it um get away with it and you know her her best friend ended up taking her life because of this um and that's where the i mean the name of the film kind of comes from like the idea of he's a promising young man like don't ruin his life by making these accusations against him that was the whole thing with i forget the name of the, the guy but that that whole trial where, turner yeah where brock he, turner yeah brock yeah. turner where he raped that girl behind like the garbage or whatever. yeah the dumpster um yeah, I was about to say that's like the I think one of the most interesting pieces of the the film is the titular role promising young woman is the fact that she took something so prevalent and something so like it's such a great sucker punch where she's taking something that had to do with something so awful and she turned it into something else where she said, Okay, this is what they're saying about men, but how about women? Yeah, and I think there's a line where it's just like getting accused of one of these things is like can ruin his life is like yeah or like oh what do you think a, a woman's worst yes is? he's like this is every guy's worst nightmare and she's like and what's every woman's worst nightmare yeah, exactly. type thing yeah there's a lot of great one-liners in here that carrie mulligan yeah delivers. no the script is really is really strong it's emerald fennel yeah you like you but can't... the thing is like her seasons of uh killing eve i didn't actually like that much okay i think they struggled a little bit without you all our bridges direction that's fair um listen I think whether you love it or hate it, it speaks to the experience of young women in this country who have had to see victims of sexual assault undermined and the perpetrators of vicious crimes like rape and otherwise not only get away with it, but succeed and become yes. leaders of society. What I want to say is I think, you know, personally, we were kind of talking about before where we land with our opinions, especially about the ending. I liked it. 
a lot. At first, I was a little turned off by it because I actually knew the ending before I saw it. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, and upon when I read a lot about it, I was just like, ah. But then when I saw it firsthand and I saw how the movie played out, I didn't look at it as like either like a ploy or like a, like shock value type thing. Mm-hmm. I saw it as very genuine. And um, anyone who knows me, I like to you know here on this podcast, I like to do my research. I like to do research outside of it. I'm always trying to sort of read up. Um, and I lo- I read a lot of interviews with Emerald Fennel and her writing, and I think she took in mind that people would not be happy with that ending. But it's the but honest ending. She, yeah, she's yeah. okay with it because she says, listen, this is basically the honest ending because in actuality, and what I love about it is how she describes the scene itself and not like what comes, she's not talking about like Cassie herself. She talks about the scene. So she says, okay, when Cassie is alone with this guy, Adam, um, is his name Adam? I don't remember his name. That's going to kill me. It's not Adam. Al, sorry. I don't know why I said it. Al Monroe. Mm. Yes. So when Cassie is alone with Al, um, this is the first time, and she makes this a point, and it's very true. It's the first time in the film that we, as the audience, are given the scenario where there is a weapon introduced. Mm. So the it's the idea that the basically she finally resorts to quote-unquote violence and it backfires on her and the reality is the man overpowers the woman of course that's something we don't want to see but what have we seen time and time again in terms of like the media and like we said these cases and like you've just talked about before things being undermined and i think she did that purposely to show like hey if this is being undermined let's shove it into people's faces and make them horrified yeah i just think um people maybe weren't expecting it and i think it can be very triggering to survivors of sexual assault i agree and women in general um and i think if you're going to be triggered by that kind of thing maybe steer away for a minute and maybe it's more of a film for people who do apologize for these kinds of things. yes and i also i don't know if this is like the wrong thing to say so i i love feedback from you correct me but like in terms of i know what you mean by trigger warning there's a part of me that agrees but then um there's the part of me maybe this is a little controversial like i think the subject matter speaks for itself like you not to like be like you should know what you're getting into like i'm not a dick like that mm-hmm. but like there should be some uh, at least a like, conscious level of knowing okay this is the subject material that i'm being presented with where can it go yeah I yeah, I would say if you know you're gonna get upset by something like this, like just don't watch it. Yeah, I've definitely steered away from certain films because I know that the subject matter is. Yeah, for sure, stuff. and I think that's like anything you... about like animal abuse. I'm like I can't. Yeah, and I respect that, and I think everyone should like kind of know their limits. And of course, if it's something a little bit more personal, it makes complete sense, and I understand why some people will feel a certain way about this film. Yeah, um, I I definitely understand both sides, and I think yeah, me too. And I think a a film that is that divisive is is smart. Yeah, and I at think the it. End of the day. And the end, I was gonna say, the end of the day. Um, I know it's such a cliche, but art is supposed to push boundaries. Yeah, or just like it's supposed to make you think. And I yeah. think the fact that we're thinking this critically about it means something and about it. Is it definitely good. did because I even saw um on like a more surface level. I think. I've seen definitely more conversations open because of this film, especially with yeah. people who were not expecting a film like this or didn't know much about it going into it. Even like, you know, 
a simple conversation between a boyfriend and a girlfriend, Mm -hmm. like going to see this film together and like having to, I know it's one of those things where it's just like, why do we have to do this? Like this should, these things are given to which they basically are. But um, I think the straight white male, some of them can go into this film and be like, oh, these are things I don't think about as a straight white male and my impact on women I think a lot me. of them are like that Bo Burnham character yes. where they've let these things go on and like they're just as much to blame as the actual perpetrator and they don't think they've done anything wrong. They're, they they beg for forgiveness, but they yes. say sorry. And they're quick to like kind of place blame and like retaliate. Mm-hmm. Also, I think there's just a lot too where it's just like instead of the kind of like the um the innocent bystander type effect, which you know they're never innocent, but I think it's also the fact that like I said, like subconsciously they're not thinking on the level of what are women going through every day because they're thinking about themselves mm-hmm. and they're not subjected to it. So when they see it in a film presented like this, they're like, oh my god! Like even me walking by someone and like you know the real fear that a woman has to have walking to her car at night something like that and like a man passing her again he could be someone that is not a threat but it is justifiable for the woman to be fearful of that Mm -hmm. and for him to recognize that is just i think as important that even though he's obviously in his mind not a threat how like visually he can become a threat to others just from his presence Mm -hmm. yeah that was a lot of unpacking i'm sorry no it's it's good um i'm glad you got to talk yeah that's, that is the most talking you're gonna get from craig on this on this minisode because that's the only film i really know well um next on the list is sound of metal yes this one looks actually very good too i didn't know much about it mm-hmm. um anything that's like music related put into film you know what this kind of reminds me of what I know that I'm going to be just so off. Just literally, I'm looking at the one of the visuals for it, but, like, I'm getting uh, whiplash, like... Because he plays the drums? Yeah. I mean... And it's the idea of... I think it's the idea it's, of... It's different. It's... Yeah, but it's the it's idea... It's more like Amadeus, mm, where... Okay. Or any, you know, any movie where the artist is losing the thing that well yeah so the syno- yeah the synopsis is a drummer begins to lose his hearing and has to come to grips with a future that will be filled with silence so the reason i was comparing it to whiplash not in terms of they're just both playing drums <laughs> but it's um it's a different take on music within film yeah where something like it's not like a biopic or yeah or like a fun musical it's not something that's supposed to be light and airy it's definitely not it's it's jarring and hard to get through but like in the best way possible this one got a lot of good reviews by yeah. my friends it is really good um the ending really punches you in the gut similar to minari i guess um <sighs> i mean the whole thing's kind of just sad. the oscar said let's ser- serve up a silver platter of depression this year seriously the only one that's like not totally depressing is maybe mank <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I guess it's some other one. And honestly, like, Promising Young Woman has its funny moments because it is a dark comedy. Oh, no, but it is depressing. Oh, for sure. No, it... like, there's no doubts about that. But, um, yeah, it the whole thing is, like, hit him. I mean, the first half, anyway, is him reluctant. He's trying to overcome being deaf instead of just learning to how to live while being deaf. In, in term, and, like, instead of adapting. Yeah. Yes. And they're, like, and the guy at the thing is just like, no, deafness isn't like something to overcome. It's just something that you have now. Um, but he's trying so hard to like reverse it and to fix it and to 
live this like and it's you know it's very um i guess relevant now where like we're in this pandemic world and like we're trying so hard to go back to how it was before but like we need to adapt to the fact that it is different now yes and it's and stop trying to make it like it was before and just live how we're we're given yeah um and it's so, about the like evolution of you know just change ad- like, yeah, yeah adapting to change um i don't know how to pronounce his name is it riz, riz ahmed riz ahmed okay i was i was not sure if it was riz or riz um yeah he's in a few good great things he's, he's great. in he's a nightcrawler he's in rogue mm-hmm. one um I don't know much about him. Is he himself part of the deaf community? No, but okay. he learned a lot of things ASL? about. Yeah, he learned uh, American Sign Language and he learned a lot about the community before doing it. I hate to be that and they person. They have deaf people in the movie. Yeah, as I was gonna say, that would probably be my only critique of the film. Not going into it is having a protagonist played by someone who is hearing. I've heard that because he gets this implant in that a lot of um, partially deaf or deaf people get in and so a lot of the, the film uh, it allows you to hear as he would hear so either you know you hear nothing or it's mm-hmm. very muted or it sounds like it's underwater yeah. almost and when he gets the implant in you hear it like you would hear that implant and I heard that that was very accurate to how it actually sounds okay. with that Okay. Um, and I've heard from a lot of people in that community that it, it it's not offensive to them. Like, okay, it's, good. It's done very well. Yeah. Um, because I know, like, obviously, we have to be mindful. I mm-hmm. think, especially, um, when it comes to all these different communities and like portraying it in film or any type of media. Um, like you said, they, um, the people within the deaf community didn't find it offensive, but sometimes, you know, I think it really depends on how they go about it and who they get to play mm-hmm. certain people. Sometimes it can be. And I think it is, though, in a sense, very, um, it's a great thing to get someone play that role because it's like, okay, let's expand our, like, what our, what we have at our disposal. Mm-hmm. Let's get more actors and actresses that come from all these different backgrounds who can actually play these roles because they've gone through it. If that, like, um, if that, I don't know what I'm like, trying to say. My words are not coming from my brain anymore. Um, but you got you got the gist. I think Raz- Riz Ahmed is kind of shoe in for the actor. In a way also, Olivia Cook's in it. Yeah, she's good. I love her. Okay. She's phenomenal. Moving on to sh- uh, Trial of Chicago 7. Yes. Um, while you pull up the synopsis, I'm going to say just more than anything on this list, this is the one that's like the most Oscar baity. Oh, for sure. Um. It's just revisionist American history to solidify everything neoliberals already think about themselves. And, you know, it has a lot of faith in the system. Um, It reminds us, like, oh, well, at the end of the day, like, the systems are always doing the right thing. And it's just like, if we've learned anything in the last year, it's like the systems uphold violence and state violence. Like, it's, and it goes against, I think, a lot of what the actual figures that the movie's based off of stood for. So. So the synopsis um, provided by Letterboxd is in 16, 16, in 1968, thank you, democracy refused to back down. What was supposed to be a peaceful protest turned into a violent clash with the police. What followed was one of the most notorious trials in history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me saying 1600s over here like it's the witch trials. Yeah, no. Um, it's, 
It's very soapboxy. You know, I mean, it's Aaron Sorkin. I was about to say. (laughs) That all being said, I enjoyed. I did enjoy it, and I enjoyed the performances. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in it. Barely. There's like a few exceptions, maybe to some of the performances. Michael Keaton shows up halfway through. I gotta say, Michael Keaton is always a fun surprise. I love when Michael Keaton shows up halfway through a movie. Get his, get his coin. Good for him. Um, I don't have that much to say about this one. I mean, like, I enjoyed it and I didn't enjoy it. It's uh, very what I expect. Um, Jeremy Strong's great. Sasha Baron Cohen is great. I would wa- I watch just for them, basically. Mm. Um, but again, like, take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah, it definitely was not at the top of my list. No, I don't think it's gonna. Sorry, win. Aaron Sorkin. Um, so who do I think will win? For best picture, I think that Nomadland is going to win. Interesting. I also think it deserves it. And I think the only real competition, in my opinion, is Judas and the Black Messiah. Okay. But maybe some people think otherwise. Interesting. Is that interesting? I think this is what everyone's been talk- thinking and talking about. Okay. I think for the Oscars, anyway. For actor in a lead role, I think... Either Chadwick Boseman, who's been winning a lot because, well, his performance is really great, but also, um, posthumously, it just means a lot more. Yeah. Um, but if not him, I think Riz Ahmed. Uh, most of the award ceremonies have picked Chadwick, so they might go with Riz just to spice it up. I don't know. Um, actress in a lead role. <sighs> I've I've been seeing either. Uh, Viola Davis or Carrie Mulligan. Yes. I think Viola's maybe more likely, but I think, you know, Carrie Mulligan has had solid performances throughout her entire career. Yeah. I don't know if this is the movie to give her that Oscar, but I wouldn't mind if she won. I know some people would probably not like if she won, but... I would be very happy, of course. Um, Mm. I think promising young woman will win awards it'll win awards but i don't think as many that it's won other ceremonies yeah. i think it's very much the 1917 of this award sh- of this season where it's like it won at other ones but when it comes to the oscars they're gonna go with something different yeah it won yeah it's been winning a lot of other awards within the season um for which is really great because it's one i feel like multifaceted. it's just like a lot more commercial than i think a lot of the other ones are. Yeah. And I meant like, oh, sorry, I meant like multifaceted in the sense where the awards are kind of like, it's not just like best movie it's winning. It's like winning for like, it's, um, you know, the movie, it's winning for um, the Emerald Fun, the, the screenplay, the writing, it's winning for um, design, it's mm-hmm. winning for soundtrack, like stuff like that, which I think is really cool. Um, my top three guesses for best picture were going to be uh, Minari, um, Judas and the Black Messiah. And then my third one is kind of a bit of a toss-up. I didn't, like, think too much into it. Honestly, I know you were saying Nomad, you think Nomadland's going to win, which I'm yeah. actually... I don't want to say I'm surprised. I know it's getting great reviews in terms of, like... It's what, just been winning at a lot of other things. It has. But in terms of what's being talked about, um, but, like, I would be... Like, Minari is, like... I don't know if it's going to win, though. I don't know if it's strong enough. For the Oscars in that way, I'd I'd like if it won, yeah. But I don't know if they'll go for it. Um, 
I'm honestly not 100% sure about a lot of these. Um, I'm just very excited to give them all a watch and to kind of, like, formulate my own opinions. And, like, because, again, this is me just going off on, like, general buzz within the public that I've heard. Um, but, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see kind of my, like, lens and spin into this and where it goes. Um, for directing, I think Chloe Zhao uh, is going to win for Nomadland. I don't think there's that much competition there. She's Did you see sleeping. she's actually um, doing, like, a Dracula movie? Yes. Yeah. And it's supposed to be more, like, modern, I think. That's cool. Yeah. Um, actor in a supporting role, I think Daniel Kalia is going to win this one, and I think he deserves it. Even though he's not a supporting role in that, he is a lead role. I don't know why they put him in supporting role. Um, but I think everyone in that category is pretty phenomenal. And then you've got actors in a supporting role, which seems to be the biggest toss-up this year. But who I want to win is, I think I think you pronounce her name, Mar- Maria or Maria Bakalova for Borat, the sequel. Um, <laughs> she's so great in it. Comedic uh, performances rarely get Oscars, but if they're going to, I think she's the one to to win. I love her in this. Um, it would be great if she won. I don't think she will. I would love it. I would. I will drink ranch dressing if she wins. I am holding. That's you a to promise. That. <laughs> um, and then just to kind of end out this minisode, um, I didn't watch all the documentaries yet. I'm gonna try and watch all of them because that's also something I've never done before. I've never watched all the best picture nominees nor all the. Uh, full-length documentary can, nominees can we talk about really quick this makes me so happy this is turning into not a mini-sode i know i'm sorry they animated as if this is my fault i didn't do a lot of talking this time around i'm promising one young woman i went off but everything yeah. else i was like mm. um animated feature film Shaun the sheep movie i'm so happy that armageddon it, yes i can't watch it i did i might the, the, the only one... one i think i watched was soul which is good and we'll probably win. It should. I have yet to watch because I get. But back to what Sorry. I was talking about Sorry. derailing me on my minisode. Um, there's Crip Camp, which is excellent. I found it better than honestly half the Best Picture nominees. It's on Netflix. Y'all should give it a watch. Um, it was just so moving and so great, and I really enjoyed it. Um, there's also My Octopus Teacher, which I liked, but I think. The protagonist of the documentary, who also made the documentary, I think he wanted to fuck the octopus. It's very weird. Oh. You're gonna have to see for yourself for what I mean. Um, I'll probably watch more before the big night because they all seemed really interesting this year, and I have the time to watch them. So I will, and I'll I'll let y'all know. Uh, you can follow me on Letterbox. My at is Kira Knight. LGBT, because I thought that was funny. That's actually pretty genius. Yeah, I might link it on Twitter because no one knows how to spell it. But um, so yeah, that's all my thoughts about the Best Picture nominees and who I think is gonna win. We'll see. It. I honestly, I don't really have any horses in this race besides uh, Maria Bakalova and Daniel Kaluuya. Um, Remember, she will drink ranch dressing. I will drink ranch dressing. I don't like ranch that much if she wins. I don't think she will. But again, I really like to see it. Um Yeah. So I'm excited. I love the Oscars, even though they're awful. Listen. 
Yeah. At the end of the day, it's like nice to see things you like get appreciated. Of course. I think that's just always. Yep. Um, we're not gonna do our usual send off for this because it's not uh, the usual pod. I know, but so I feel like go watch these goddamn movies. Go watch these goddamn movies. Um, go watch the Oscars. Go watch the Oscars. Watch one of these movies. Let's tweet about everyone's outfits. Watch at least one of them. Let's hope some. I know it's gonna happen, but let's hope some good memes come out of it. Yeah, I hope Jason Derulo falls down the red carpet again. <laughs> I don't even know what award show that was at this point. I know. I don't either. It can't be. Why would he be at the Oscars? No offense, Jason Derulo. Uh, Cats. <laughs> and I, with that. I forgot that existed. <laughs> um, thank you all for listening. Yeah, thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. We'll see you Friday. Bye. Bye.